Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Hello and welcome to the program, Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Kiefer Blakesley. And we have a lot of films to talk about today. We're going to be talking about Goosebumps 2, Haunted Halloween, Smallfoot, Johnny English, Strikes Again. And then we're going to be talking about Life as a High School Senior, brought to you by me. That's going to be an interesting segment. But right now, we're going to start the show with the wonderful Jerry Oars talking about the new Damien Chazelle film, First Man, about the first ever moon landing. So thank you so much, Jerry, for being on the show. Of course. Thanks for having me. Now, um, before we get into this, I gotta say that Damien Chazelle is one of the next up-and-coming great directors. He directed La La Land, Whiplash. I mean, he's—I mean, him and Denis Villeneuve is going to be like the next. I'm not kidding. Like next Scorsese's and Spielberg's because the—he has been coming out with some of the best films, and he hasn't made a bad one yet. So, um, what did you feel about his take on the moon landing? Well, he definitely did a lot of good things right. I feel like First Man is a solid film that people would enjoy watching once. And there's definitely a lot of things I was really impressed with with this film. Space is extremely hard subject to make a film out of, especially when it's in a biographical format, because this is about the career of Neil Armstrong, the very first man to set for, set foot excuse me, on the surface of the moon. And I have to say that one of the things I absolutely loved is just how he captured space itself. It sounds really incredible. The soundscape is probably one of the best things about this film. The acting was really nicely designed. The scenes were really nicely designed. I have to say there's a lot of things I loved about this film, but there are also a lot of things that they could have improved on. The story is very long. I believe it's two to two and a half hours long. And Neil Armstrong, in my opinion, was just not that interesting of a guy to have that much of a film. They spread it over a lot of different missions, not just the very famous Apollo 11, which landed people on the moon. They spread it over a decade or two of Neil Armstrong's career. And it's just very stretched out. You feel bored at times. And possibly one of the worst parts about it is the cinematography which never really wants to get away from the actor's face. And at first, this is really exciting. It's all shaky. It's all close up. You really feel the intensity. But after two and a half hours, and especially on a massive IMAX screen, you feel dizzy. I do have to say, though, that the opening and closing scenes of First Man are Oscar-worthy in every way. But there are a lot of things that the bulk of the film could have been improved on. You know what I find interesting is that when I heard Damien Chazelle was making this kind of film, it was like this. It was like my reaction to Christopher Nolan making Dunkirk. It's like we have two direct. It's like we have a director who makes some really interesting film. Like we, Damien Chazelle made a lot of films about well, intense films like Whiplash, and then beautiful musicals like La La Land, and then he does a history drama, and it just comes out of nowhere. And I was curious because i didn't know what to expect for him to make a film like this because it's it does seem like one of those straightforward biopics but what sets it apart is the immersive quality of it and i believe you saw this on imax so do you is the immersive experience of being in space kind of like the most redeeming quality in this film i think it's one of the worst qualities of this film actually i think shaky yeah, I think that getting that close to the actor is really, really good for 
the more intense scenes because as anybody knows when the camera's shaking and you see nothing but the face it gets pretty intense and it you feel that intensity in the actor especially when you have an amazing actor playing neil armstrong like ryan gosling but to do that throughout the entire film even the lowest intensity parts is just really way too much i yeah. wouldn't have mind if they just pan the camera back a little bit you know just steadied it for a bit so we can actually see what was going on. It was rather annoying at times, and on an IMAX screen, that just made it much, much worse. There are maybe two or three times when the camera is actually perfectly still, and that does create an effect where when the camera is still and the movie is silenced because it extremely is rare in the runtime, there's a lot of intensity and drama. But I really feel like that having the opposite effect where most of it's steady and only a few times is shaky is more enjoyable for the audience and still portrays the same effect. Interesting. Because it's because what I the thing is, though, is that I'm not a big fan of shaky cam as well uh, or like too much shake in a film. Uh, if it's if it's if it's supposed to show the realism of it, I'm all for that. But sometimes it just comes to a point where it's just like it's so shaky that it comes to a point where it comes disorienting. But what was some of the uh, besides that? What do you think is the most redeeming quality of this film? You know, I would have to say that the sound was really absolutely marveling. IMAX, you're going to get sick at the end of it because it's just so disorienting, like you said. But it's going to sound amazing. I mean, the soundtrack is really incredible. I have never seen a film, especially a space film, to have such an amazing soundtrack. The music by uh, Justin Hurwitz is also really phenomenal i was getting some 2001 space odyssey feels at times and it was just really really striking and really memorable very beautiful very orchestrate really sets to the mood and lighting i also have to say was beautiful you know a lot of uh space capsules especially from that area had a lot of red lights the green lights and complete blackness of space and they captured that really well I really like that a lot of it during the space scenes was set close up to Neil Armstrong. I do wish they zoomed out a little bit, but mm -hmm. I really like that they kept it focused on inside the capsule to make you feel really claustrophobic, really tight in that space capsule and the vastness of basically death. That was a pretty good choice by Damien Chazelle. You're listening to Kids vs. Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesling. Today we're going to be talking about the films Goosebumps 2, Johnny English Strikes Again, Smallfoot. We're going to continue our conversation with the wonderful Jerry Orris about First Man. Now, this is coming from somebody who has yet to see the film. And it's a very, this could be an unfair comparison. But there, but I when I first saw the trailer for this, I got a lot of Apollo 13 vibes. I know it's two different stories of two different astronauts with the with separate conflicts and outcomes. But I felt like I've seen this story before, where it's man, uh, uh, an American tale of men trying to go to space. They go to space, but something goes wrong, and then they have to get them back. And, of course, this film ends with Armstrong being, like, actually stepping on the moon. But... How do you feel like this film differs from other biopics and for that and to be more specific space biopics if that makes any sense? Well, it definitely ups the drama. One thing that Apollo 13 was really famous for is that it was highly accurate. I mean, 
everything about that was spot on. They made sure that every single little minute detail was real life. Mm. I don't know this for sure, of course, because I've never met Neil Armstrong and I don't know his real life story, but it did seem like they dramatized it a lot. I mean, there's a whole inner conflict that Neil Armstrong has because he loses his daughter and she's very young from cancer. And that conflict follows him all the way to the moon landing. Yeah. I highly doubt that's real. I understand that it must have been a real life conflict for him. But the ending is all about that inner conflict. And I highly doubt the moon landing really was that big to fix the grief he faced. Mm-hmm. And that definitely seemed romanticized and dramatized. There are a lot of other things I felt were dramatized. They tried to portray Neil Armstrong as this deep man with very deep conflicts that he doesn't really want to show to anybody. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I don't know how real that is, but it doesn't seem that true. And it really felt to me like they were just trying to make Neil Armstrong this really compelling character to make a story out of. When in truth, they could have gone more of an Apollo 13 route because most of the film was on Earth, with Neil Armstrong going from event to event, almost dying again and again. It does get repetitive after a while because he goes up to space, something kind of goes wrong, he's a hero for fixing, and he comes back, and it repeats. So that did feel a little bit repetitive, even though they were already stretching out the realism of the story. Honestly, I know that Neil Armstrong's story is extremely famous. It's one of the most well-known stories in the world. But I think a film hasn't really been made like this before because there's just not much of a story to tell. And Damien Chazelle probably did one of the best jobs he possibly could in making this into a film. And that brings me to another question because, like I mentioned before, it does not seem like a Damien Chazelle film. And you and I have both seen La La Land and Whiplash, and we understand his kind of style and the stories he gravitates towards. And I think he's a very talented director. But this film just, it felt like he was trying to try to try something new. And there's a story that he said, like, you know, I want to actually, I want to tell the story. Let's do it. I have a budget for it. Let's tell the story. Do you feel like it's, he, that, what do you see a direction with, with Damien Chazelle and his career after this film? Well, I still think that Damien Chazelle is going to be a well-known actor. I mean, I know the review, the reviews on this film have been mostly decent. I, there's some Oscar buzz for this film. I don't think it's going to get a lot of nominations, but there's definitely buzz. So I think that Damien Chazelle is still going to maintain his reputation as an amazing director. I don't know how his future is going to be impacted by First Man, because there's definitely a lot of amazing points from this film You know, the acting is really phenomenal, and I think that's a big part from Damien Chazelle to make the actors, the characters, the way that they are in this film. He was incredible with that, and I remember he did a really amazing uh, job with that in La La Land as well. And the ending sequence, I'm not going to really talk about it too much because it is the ending of the film, and although we all know what happens, it's still beautifully done. I mean, that ending sequence made sitting through all those shaky cams worth it because it was just so beautiful they did everything in the last scene of the film perfectly right from the cinematography to the acting to the visual effects to the music everything was spot on and that was damien chazelle's doing so i think just from a few scenes in this film he's gonna still stay at his reputation and it's gonna show that he can be a little bit more flexible in his skills which can only help him well i'm all for him breaking out and i'm all for directors trying different things and trying different genres but I'm hoping for 
something more Damien Giselle-like, if that makes any sense. But you know what? I can't wait to see what else he does next. So, um, um, Jerry, how many stars do you give this film, and what would you recommend the age? I would probably give it a three and a half out of five stars because I think there's a lot of things they did right and a lot of things that are incredibly impressive. But there are still so many things that they missed and a lot of things they could have improved on greatly to make this a truly solid film. It definitely had the capability to be a true Oscar best filmed contender this year, but I'm not sure if it has it with the way it is. And for an age range, I would say 12 to 18. There's not a lot of in actual maturity in the film, but I think the concepts and the significance of the events would kind of be passed on younger children. So I'd say 12 to 18 would probably best be able to capture the message that the film conveys. Well, thank you so much, Jay, for talking about this film. I'm definitely still going to check it out because I still want to see where it goes. And I'm rooting for Damien Chazelle all the way. So thank you so much much jay for talking about the film it's been a pleasure thank you so much for letting me talk about it all right hopefully you go to first man on empty stomach because you may get a disoriented but still go check it out it is in theaters now with that said let's take a break i'm your host keith blakesley and this show is sponsored by octonauts season two kids safe mother approved you're listening to voice america kids To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. We just got back from talking with Jerry about the new film, First Man. And right now we'll be talking with Kiefer about life as a high school senior. So, Kiefer, how's it going? Well, I'm a senior in high school, so it is going quite well. <laughs> <laughs> So my first question is, starting on the senior side of things, um, what sort of challenges are unique to being a senior uh, that kind of surprised you when you became one? Uh, well, when you're a senior, you, you lose sight in your eyes, you start, your, your bones start <laughs> rattling, and I mean, you get the early book special at Denny's, but it's nice. Um, no, um, so no, being a senior is, they say that being a senior is like the best part of high school because it's the first semester you are constantly worrying about college applications and recommendation letters and and trying to figure out school and everything. It's it's first semester is hard and by far the most stressful part. And then second semester you're just I hear it's just 
getting good grades, enough good grades to be able to, you know, pass high school. So senior year, and I go to I go to an arts conservatory school, so I have a little bit harder time because not only am I juggling college applications and letters of rec, but I'm also I have a senior thesis film for my film and television conservatory where I have to make a short film, a passion project. So I have a whole year to film to a whole year to write, produce, and direct and film that. So that's another load on my shoulder, plus having a job. So being a senior is, is a tough one, both emotionally and physically, because you're you're juggling a lot of things. But it's a new chapter in our life, and it's right now. And I'm not feeling it, but I'm sure by like the last month of high school, it's going to hit me like a freight train that I'm going to college and I am going a new direction. And it's going to be it's going to be a lot of tears, but it's gonna it's gonna be a good one though. Just curious, not to sound daunting or anything, but what sort of ideas do you have on what short short film do you want to make? Uh, so right now, for my senior thesis film, I am making a romantic drama about an elderly couple who have lost a spark in their marriage. Um, very, it's it's about it's a film about aging. It's a film about memories. It's a film about love. I've always wanted to make a romantic film, and it's a passion project I've always wanted to do. And yeah. <laughs> It's fun. It's exciting because I love because what I want to do in college, I want to be a filmmaker. So and then a lot of the, the majors, I'm, a lot of the schools I'm applying for, it's film programs um, around the world, and it's great because I get to do what I love and also show that to colleges. So yeah. Oh uh, wow, that's not the answer I was expecting, but uh, cool. <laughs> okay. Um. So what sort of colleges? What sort of things were you looking for when you started uh, looking for colleges to apply to? Well, for me personally, college is is different because when you go to colleges for the arts, most parents are going to be like, oh, can you do something conventional? Can you go and be a lawyer or a doctor or a business person? Um, so go, going for the arts is very interesting because you want a, you want a school that's going to give you the best resources, the best networking experiences. And, of course, something that's going to make you grow as an actor. It's not really about the degree. It doesn't care if you, it doesn't matter if you get a bachelor's degree or even a master's degree in film, as long as you make good movies, you're gonna make it in the industry. So for me, I'm going to college for specifically for networking and for broadening my horizon um, with um, with cinema because I'm I'm planning I want to go to London or Toronto because those are two areas around the world where the business the filming the film industry is booming and. I want to, especially in Toronto. So those, I want to go where it's booming. And people say like, why don't you stay in LA? I'm not an LA person. I want to go where it rains. I want to go where it's cultured. I want to go where it's, it's different. I need, I, I've spent, I've lived in Southern California for the past eight years. I need to go, I need to get away for a while. Um, what sort of films would you be excited to study? Uh, if you, well, obviously you are, but, um, well, when you go for your film degree? Uh, so when we go, so what I'm particularly going into is film production. Uh, a lot of colleges provide film studies where you literally, it's literally studying film, its genres, its techniques, its history, its culture. But film production is about, well, exactly what it is, practical skills, learning how to make a film, learning how to structure a script, learning how to use cameras. I've, I've been lucky enough and privileged enough to go to a school that gives me the foundation for filmmaking but the reason why I want to still go to a school that studies filmmaking is because I want a more advanced 
outlook on it and also learning the business side and the distribution side of film because what Kids First has taught me, um, because ever since I joined Kids First, I always knew I wanted to be in the movie making industry and critiquing films made uh, made me realize how much I love movies and how I want to make movies. So Kids First is giving me that, has sparked that passion and I can't, and I thank Kids First for that because if it was for Kids First, I wouldn't be in this position of wanting to make movies. And, you know, maybe I'll make a movie that hopefully will be reviewed on Kids First. Hopefully good <laughs> too. Hopefully it'll tear it apart. If you do, rightfully so. But. Uh, this is Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're going to talk about First Man, Goosebumps 2, Haunted Halloween, Smallfoot, Johnny English Strikes Again. But right now we're going to continue our interview with Kiefer on life as a high school senior, colleges and film degrees and things of that sort of nature. Interesting uh, type. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a bit of a bit of a mouthful. Um, so let's continue with that interview. So Kiefer, uh, can you? D- I'm c- about high school. What's your favorite moment of high school been so far, or f- favorite year? I guess. That's an interesting question. I think my favorite year would have to be freshman year, and I, that's a very unpopular opinion for most because freshman year is when you transition from middle school to being a high schooler. But I love freshman year because it was just, it felt like a new, it was a dawn of a new chapter. And I, I'm, the connections I made in freshman year, a lot of the connections I still have in senior year and how much we've grown. Thinking about freshman year is really interesting because how, how much I've grown and changed. If you would have asked me to edit on Adobe Premiere uh, four years ago, I would have been looking like with looking at you like you were coming, you have lobsters coming out of your ears because I have no, I, I would have no idea. But now, uh, ever since from how I've grown from freshman year to senior year, it's been, it's a lot. And OSHA, Orange County School of the Arts, is the reason for that. So freshman year was my favorite because a lot of memories are there, and that's basically the foundation of who I am today. And yeah, it, it was a fantastic year. What interests you most about um, places like Toronto and London besides the booming film industry? Uh, so to, the reason why I want to go there is because I, I, well, first of all, I just need to travel. I love traveling and traveling is what I want to do. But people who are, some people, people who think that, oh, you're going to London, it must be very expensive. London is expensive, but the tuition is, when you could, the tuition is not that expensive if you know where to look. And it's better tuition and better, I don't know, I, I just, I because what's interesting is that London People, what people say about the London film industry is that there is no film industry because a lot of the films made there are American films and not much distribution happens in London. All the distribution happens in America. And a lot of people are saying, like, why don't you just stay in London and make movies in – sorry, why don't you stay in L.A. and make movies in L.A.? Well, there's so many great – most of my, some of my favorite films come from Canada, come from London, come from foreign distribution because America makes a lot of films – but it's not the only. But they're not the only ones that make films. We there's so many filmmakers and filmmaking indus, film industries out in the world that I want to be a part of because there was such creative freedom in European filmmaking and Asian filmmaking. So those are the reasons why I'm looking like London and Toronto and even places in France and Munich and many different places. But of course, I'm applying for stuff in America because I'm comfortable here like Chicago, Savannah Arts College, and Syracuse in upstate New York. So a lot of colleges, a lot of applications. It's stressful, but it's going to be worth it in the end. 
Um, on that note, bouncing off that question a little bit, uh, what is your favorite film? Just tying it, tying it back to the movies again. Um, <laughs> sorry, I know this is a bit off track, but what is your favorite foreign film and why? Well, I think it's interesting when people say when your favorite film, it's like picking your favorite child. It depends on the day. Um, but I think the film that made me want to become a filmmaker and the film that I constantly go back to and what I'm writing about in my college essay, it's got to be there's so many. I think the film that really got me was Back to the Future. Back to the Future was that was my first, I feel like the first time I saw Back to the Future was the first time I was like, oh my gosh, I need to be, I need to make movies. Because it's the most cinematic. When you think cinema, I think when you say cinema, I think Back to the Future. It's got everything. It's it's got great music, great acting, great concepts. It's an escape film. It's beautiful. I love that film so much. But I love so many movies. I just love movies in general. Movies have always been my life, my culture, my language, my personality. If you start talking about films, that's my that's what I'm comfortable in. And I can't see myself doing anything else but being in the filmmaking television industry because that's what I love. I love creating. And no matter what I do, I'm still going to be a part of that. So, yeah, film, films have always been a part of my life and I'm uh, going to continue being a part of my life. Well, uh, thank you for talking with me today. Um, good luck with the rest of senior year and uh, college. I'm sure you'll do fine. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate <laughs> that. It's definitely it's a hard year, but it, you know what? It's it's all gonna be worth it. It's so much fun. So you do you. more than fine, Kiefer. You're gonna do great. So thank you, buddy. All right. This is Kids First Coming Attractions. This show is sponsored by Octonauts Season Two. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Shh, turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hey welcome back to kids first coming attractions today we've been talking about first man and Kiefer's life as a high school senior um later in the show we'll be talking about johnny english strikes again and flugel's project birthday but right now we'll be talking with natalia age 10 from la california about goosebumps 2 So, Natalia, how's your day going? Oh, it is fantastic so far. 
Alright, so Goosebumps 2, Haunted Halloween, coming out right before the excellent holiday, October 31st. Um, what are your thoughts on this film? Well, I can say everything was very surprising. I mean, the composer, Dominic Lewis, creates a perfect match to the Halloween theme. And I can say the music in this film is very surprising. And just all the lead characters, Kathy Quinn, they did such an amazing job playing their specific roles. And it's just a funny, energetic, and colorful film. And is I just have to say, the director, Ari Sandals, blew my mind with this well-crafted film. So what is Goosebumps 2 Haunted Halloween about? Well, it focuses on the best friends, Sony and Sam, yes, who meet Slappy, who is kind of this creepy, a little creepy, a little funny, and he's very frisky, and he's a talking dummy from an unpublished Goosebumps 2 book from Arl Stein, which is amazing to see, actually, Jack Black play Arl Stein in this movie, and it is an unfinished book, and as Sony and Sam start their new company as cleaning up the dump, they follow on their bully, and... Going on their journey, they find Slappy, of course, who hopes to start a family of his own, but the experience on the way is just a crazy view. But I can say, you will see how that unfolds, and Slappy kidnaps Sony's mother, which brings all the excitement up 100%, which gives you that really scary Halloween vibe. Um, Who's your favorite character in this film? Because there's a lot of monsters and uh, characters to choose from, from the expansive Goosebumps novels? Oh, yeah. There's definitely such all-amazing characters, all amazed by really just beautiful people. And I would say that my favorite character is between Mr. Chu and Sony Quinn. I would say Mr. Chu is one of my favorite characters because he brings the really humor into the movie, I say, as I was watching him all his humor, and in real life he is a comedian, which I think brings so much energetic and humor to the movie, but I can say, Sony Quinn, who is played by Jeremy Ray Taylor, also one of the lead characters, who is a part of Sony and Sam, the dumpster group, and I could say, he also brings humor to the thing, and he's so mysterious throughout the whole movie, trying to find out what happened to the book, how it happened, and I think it brings so much mysterious to him, but I can definitely say, Mr. Chu, played by Ken Duong, and Sony Quinn, played by Jeremy Ray Taylor were both one of my favorite characters. Um, this film's cast is pretty good. You got Ken Jong, um, like you said, and Jeremy Ray Taylor from last year's It, as mm-hmm. well as um, several. The cast list goes on. Um, so expanding off of that, uh, you mentioned the human characters, but who is your favorite monster in this movie, or particular, uh, I don't know, scary situation? Well, I can say the scary situation is pretty much the whole movie, definitely. And this movie is one of those sequels where it gets, like, rested in a new way. Like, have you've seen probably Goosebumps, the original movie, but this movie brings excitement, more humor. It's just greater and sillier than before. And I just love how Slappy uses his magical powers to bring typical Goosebumps monsters to life. And I think that's definitely the scariest. The whole movie, it brings such excitement, and it... Brings what the fans probably expect from Goosebumps, definitely. Had you read uh, the Goosebumps novels or seen the first film, or even watched the TV show before seeing this film? 
you know what, this is my actually first time, you know, I was so excited to see this movie, Goosebumps 2, Haunted Halloween, but I do recall actually reading one of the first books, I don't remember the name, but I do remember it was such an intriguing and exciting book, and I'm so glad that I got to see Goosebumps 2, Haunted Halloween. Can you elaborate on the score a little bit, because you seem very impressed by it at the beginning, uh, going a little more in depth about what made it so great for you? Well, definitely the whole movie made it just exciting and great. And I can definitely say, as I said before, I did read one of the books. So I think that gave me that excitement and boost to see how this unfolds. But yeah, all the characters, especially Slappy, I'd say Slappy really brought, I think it's all about Halloween. And it really focuses on Slappy. Slappy actually brings Halloween to life. And that's really what Goosebumps 2 Haunted Halloween is about. And it is just in time for Halloween. Literally, he brings all his friends back to life. He comes into the stores. He brings all those creatures. There is even giant spiders made of balloons, pumpkin-headed scarecrows, and witches with glowing heads. And the factual stars of Goosebumps 2 are just amazing. But... There's just one creepy monster that really hit me. There was this witch with mixed match socks that turned green and his head was red with red glowing eyes and it was like black and deep. It was pretty creepy, but I can say Slappy really focused on the main idea of what Goosebumps 2 is. And as it said in the beginning of the movie, you'll have to see how it unfolds, but definitely Slappy gave it that boost I wanted. Um, and finally, what star rating and age rating would you give this film? Well, I'll definitely give this film a 5 out of 5 stars and recommend it for ages 5 to 16, as well as adults. Definitely a family-friendly movie that you can all see together in the movie theaters with your pop and popcorn and splash Coke of Coca-Cola. Or for me, probably an orange Fanta, one of my best drinks I love. And I believe the whole family will enjoy this film, definitely. So I would say this film is designed with so much fun reaction moments that you will pop out of your seat and may drop a few pops of popcorn but that's all right well thank you for talking with me about goosebumps too but uh i'm gonna keep talking to you about star wars resistance but before that this is kids first coming attractions we've been talking about first man and life as a high school senior and we're going to talk about johnny english strikes again later in the show we just finished talking about goosebumps too but now we're going to talk about the new television series star wars resistance so if you could use one sentence to describe why you like star wars resistance what would it be and why why oh one sentence to describe why i love oh oh that's so hard there's so much amazing moments i don't even know what to say right now but i'd say I'd say that this animation in Star Wars Resistance is extremely beautiful, vibrant, and engaging with colors. I can definitely say that. And it proves that just in the movie. And it is very charming. And I love the series so much. And I can definitely say, in another sentence, that I prove this by saying it's a high-flying adventure that definitely engaged me throughout the whole movie. And I loved it so much. A curious question with Star Wars. The Star Wars uh, is just so deep. There's been so many different pieces of Star Wars content. We're talking comic books, video games, TV shows, movies. The list goes on. Uh, do you think people who aren't very familiar with the atmosphere and what's going on in the Star Wars universe will enjoy this show? I definitely believe because as me, myself, I've 
before I really wasn't engaged in Star Wars as much as I am now. But now that I've seen Star Wars Resistance and I have seen a few other movies of Star Wars, I'm really engaged with it. And the series centers on Kazuta Ziona, which is a really character that can really charm anybody, even if you're not really known to love Star Wars. But I can definitely say... Who doesn't love Star Wars? And since Disney's newest edition, American series, is inspired by Japanese anime, I think more people will be engaged in what it unfolds with. Um, now, I understand you got to interview some of the cast members from this television series. Who were they, just to make sure? Well, some of them I interviewed was Christopher Sean, who plays Kazuta Ziona, the lead character, as well as Tamara Vora, who plays Tamara Vora, voiced by Susie McGarth, which was an amazing experience, as well as I also interviewed Scott Lawrence and Donald Faison and just so many amazing people. And it was an amazing experience, such an amazing time to meet with them. And I love learning about their experience throughout the whole time. of How is the voice acting in this show? Because you've got a lot well, of people here, so. Well, definitely, since this series centers on Kazuti Siono, who was short for Kaz, a young pilot with big dreams, adventures, and a bit overconfident, I'd say. He was recruited by Poe Dameron to join the Resistance and spy on the forthcoming threat, which is on the Fourth Order. And I could say that it was amazing. They did all such an amazing job, and I could definitely say that, as I was speaking with them, the animation in Star Wars Resistance is extremely beautiful, as I said. And I fell in love with the music, so I can definitely tell you that. Um, how is this sort of animation different from other animated cartoons and such that you've seen? Well, as I saw the movie, as I... As I saw the series, um, I've seen so many Star Wars movies, all related on different kind of points of views, but this one actually has... Japanese anime, which brings it that really nice touch. And since it's continuing on the last Star Wars movie, which had a dramatic ending, I think it really brings it up with the Japanese anime. Are you excited to see where this uh, series will go in the future after its first four episodes? And uh, why? Well, I don't want to give away the ending, but I can say the ending really gave me that excitement moment to see what's next for the next Star Wars series. And since it's a series, there's so many more episodes to go on with it. And I just can't wait to see all the other episodes. Are you hoping to um, are, are you hoping to see Star more Star Wars characters appear from both the original films and the new ones as the series goes on? Yes, I am very excited to see how this series goes on. And I'm super excited to see more episodes, I said, which would be on Disney Channel. And I'm super excited to see how the world will get it. And, yeah. Also, how is there's been uh, several other Star Wars series, including The Clone Wars and Rebels. How is, how is this series different from those? Well, it's different because it has the American series inspired by Japanese anime, as I said. And it's really well-intentioned, well-crafted, and has a powerful series. And the, I could say Athena Portillo and Justin Ridge and Amy Beth Christian as the art director did an amazing bra- job bringing this together. But I can definitely say it will outshine definitely the other movies because this series centers on such amazing cast and crew. And I can definitely say the animation in Star Wars will really catch your eye, especially just watching it. You know, the animation made me fall in love with it. And as a fan, it brought a sense of feeling to draw me in and enjoy the first two episodes. And 
Lucasfilm Animation have done a great job creating a real organic kind of feel. And as a, as a Star Wars fan nowadays, I kind of already expect this to be an amazing series. So as just looking at it, I could say the animation really shined bright from the other movies. And it really is a high-flying adventure that you do not want to miss. Um, finally, what age rating and star rating would you give this TV series? Well, this is such an amazing movie that you can't miss it out. So I definitely would give this a 5 out of 5 stars rating. And I can recommend this series for ages 6 to 18 years old. And adults will enjoy it as well. As Goosebumps 2 Haunted Halloween, it is a very family and friendly movie. And I can say that you guys will enjoy it as well. And this series by far delivers on what fans have come to expect. And Disney and the humor and the style of art, you do not want to miss it. So lastly, I just want to say, check it out on Disney channel disney now um disney channel vod and it'll be streaming on disney xd so you cannot miss it well thank you for talking with me today uh this is kids first coming attractions um next we're going to talk about johnny english strikes again and smallfoot this is kids first coming attractions up next we'll be talking about johnny english strikes again and smallfoot to close out the show this show is sponsored by octonauts season two Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Shh, turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hey welcome back i'm talia jacknook and you're listening to kids first coming attractions we've been talking about first man goosebumps 2 haunted halloween star wars resistance life as a high school senior and next we'll be talking with raquel and leah about johnny english strikes again okay i just have to say that this movie looks absolutely hilarious to me. I mean, Rowan Atkinson is such a funny person, and usually his characters are really quirky and entertaining to watch. So that being said, let's start, let's start off with Raquel. Could you just tell me a little bit about this movie? This film is, like you said, is very humorous. It's, it's a comedy film, and it is about how the Prime Minister of London brings back Johnny English because he's an old retired special agent and he she brings him back 
after London experienced several um, hacker attacks and cyber attacks. So he comes back and tries, you know, re-justify himself, you know, and make a name for himself again, as well as solve the issue of the hacker who is making trouble for London. So as you were saying, this is like it's again. So there has been past films. I believe this is the third film of the franchise. Yes, it is. And okay, perfect. So my first question is for Leah then is have you watched the past films? And if you have or if you haven't, would it be easy for someone who hasn't watched the films to understand the premise of this one? I haven't watched any of the other films, but when I watched this one, yes, it was very easy to understand because it's not like there's stuff from the other films that they reference in this film. So it's easy to understand. Okay, that's always good to hear just because I haven't even watched the past one. So it would definitely be nice not to get lost during this one. Yeah. Okay, so um, now Raquel, give me your favorite scene from this film. Johnny English, he has to uh, practice his mission, you know, before he actually goes and does it. And he's practicing using a virtual reality simulation. And, you know, he's going, he doesn't, he's doing it by himself. His um, partner steps out of the room and he tries to use the virtual reality simulation by himself but he's very old school he's not very technologically savvy so he ends up um misusing it and he's walking out in the streets in an immersive virtual reality world and he's not realizing that he's going through these shops and you know beating up people and making a mess and you know getting in a lot of trouble and causing a lot of trouble. So that whole scene was very, very hilarious. And I enjoyed that scene a lot. <laughs> that sounds absolutely hilarious. Oh my gosh, that that sounds like <laughs> a, such a funny scene. Okay, so as you were saying, this is a comedy film. And, you know, when I go into a comedy film, I absolutely hate going into one and walking out without even laughing. So, Leah, did this film actually make you laugh, or were the jokes sometimes stale at some points? Um, no, a lot of the time I was cracking up, and you heard the audience around us, like, laughing really hard. Like, really, really loud. It was very, very funny, a lot of the scenes. Okay, that's really good. And also, were the jokes kid-friendly, or were there some jokes that were intended for older viewers? Um... I guess. I mean, like, it's not really, like, the jokes, what they were saying much, but more what they were doing. They were doing stuff that was pretty funny, but, like, also they, might have, they like, blew something up or set something on fire. And a kid might have taken that too literally and wouldn't have liked it. But I think um, adults and older kids would definitely like it. It's pretty funny. Okay, that's good. That's good. So, um, Raquel, this is a spy movie. So my, you know, my first interpretations of that is that there has to be a lot of action, such as fight sequences and suspenseful moments, all that fun stuff. And those always just make for the most entertaining movies as well. So do you think there are enough action scenes or maybe there were too many? Um, no, there was actually a perfect amount if there was, you know, a measurement I could refer to. I think it was a perfect amount. And it wasn't just, oh, you know, your regular spy movie, you know, if you'd if you'd watch it, you'd have to be interested in spying and things like that. Like, no, there was comedy parts, of course, and romantic parts. And there were, you know, lessons being learned 
And, you know, it was just a perfect mixture of everything that you really need for a good movie without, you know, washing, water washing the actual plot and what's with the core, what the core of the movie is about. But as you were saying, there are some lessons. Could you go ahead and explain one of them that you've learned from this film? Um, one lesson would be, and this probably most likely the main lesson, would be um, to, you know, trust yourself, you know, never stray away from who you are. Because, you know, th- there were certain times in the film where Johnny felt as though he wasn't adequate for the job. You know, he didn't really understand techno- technology and how to use it. But he stayed true to his old-fashioned self. You know, throughout the whole film, he barely used technology at all. And he ended up... Oh, I- can't ruin the ending but you know he ended up doing what he needed to do and and that was an important lesson to you know never doubt yourself in your abilities and what you may or may not know yeah that's a very important lesson for everybody to take I really enjoyed how yeah definitely I liked how they added that into the film and so Leah could you please explain three words that you would use to describe this film Funny, entertaining, and it was just, like, really fun to watch. Okay, those are all really good ones, too. So now could you give me um, the star rating and age recommendation, Leah? Um, I would recommend this for ages 10 and up, and I'd definitely give it 5 out of 5 stars. Okay, perfect. So now, Raquel, what do you think? I recommend it for ages maybe around 7 to 18, there were a lot of adults in the audience, and they, uh, based off their laughing, they loved it as well. And I gave it 5 out of 5 stars as well. Perfect. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. I had fun. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Okay, so you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network, and today we're talking about First Man, Goosebumps 2, Haunted Halloween, Star Wars Resistance, Johnny English Strikes Again, and Life as a High School Senior. And right now, I'm going to be talking to Jolene about Smallfoot. Okay, hello Jolene. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, thanks for interviewing me. Of course. Okay, so tell me a little bit about this film. Well, this film is all about a village of Yeti, or also known as the snow monsters that live in the mountain. And the community of Yeti have a perfect utopia where everything works perfectly. Um, There's no problems in their city, no crime, nothing like that. But there's the stonekeeper who's basically the chief of the of the city, of their community, and in his stones are written the laws that they all follow to keep the utopia. But one day, one of the Yeti, um, Migo, his name is Migo, he lands outside of his village and he sees a small foot or a human, and he runs back to his village, tells everyone what he sees, and the stonekeeper, the chief of the village, tells him that He's going crazy and that it's written in stone that Smallfoot don't exist. But Migo, he he goes with what he believes in and he says he really did see a Smallfoot and he gets kicked out of the village and he goes on a quest with a group of other people who secretly help him and they try to prove the existence of the Smallfoot 
but they discover way much more than just knowing that the small foot exists. Wow, this seems like a very interesting film. My gosh, there's so much happening. Okay, so definitely the first thing I thought, okay, small foot, um, big foot. Is there some like correlation between that folktale with this film? Yes, it is. Um, I feel like in some folktales, they consider the Yeti the Bigfoot. But in this case, um, the Yeti, the Yeti is because usually when you think of a Bigfoot, you think of like a big brown monster with big feet in a cave. But um, in this case, it's a white snow monster with big feet. So um, it's pretty similar, but I don't think it's exactly like Bigfoot, but it's very similar. How was the animation overall? The animation overall was really, really great. This is this was one of my favorite animated movies because it was so detailed, not only with the characters, but with the backgrounds and the scenes because they had to show, they did an overview shot of like the entire Yeti community and everything was so, so beautiful, like Their houses and stuff were unique. They weren't, like, normal houses. They were made out of ice, and, like, they had different, like, railway systems. It was really, really detailed. As well as for the Smallfoot Village, um, the Smallfoot Village was very detailed as well. And there are also scenes where um, Migo goes with his, his, his other Yeti friends, and they go exploring around the island, and they show many different beautiful things, like butterflies and like icicle icicle crystals and at one point they end up in space and it's it's a really beautiful galaxy and there's like comets and there's even like a supernova at the end that was really really pretty is everything was really detailed and colorful I really liked it yeah it definitely sounds very beautiful oh my gosh Mm -hmm. I definitely need to check this film out (laughs) yeah So, okay, who was your favorite character in this film? My favorite character has to be Michi, who is the princess of the, or like, she's the prince, basically the princess, because she's the daughter of the chief. So, um, she's re- she has a strong heart, she's very determined, she has such a strong will, and she's she's so confident in herself and her friends, and she... She's always that positive person that tells everyone, like, you can do it, like, if you just believe. And um, I really want to be someone like her because everyone likes her. No one dislikes Michi. And she's the kind (laughs) of girl you want to be around because she's always encouraging you and making you feel good about yourself. So, yeah, um, she's my favorite because of her personality. (laughs) I definitely think that having strong, you know, strong female representation in the film is in the film, like, film and like, animations, anything like that. It's definitely become more popular recently, mm-hmm. and I'm definitely enjoying that a lot. Okay, yeah. so my next question for you is, what makes this film unique and different from other films that you've watched this year? It taught a lot of really important lessons that you wouldn't normally see, like, um, like normally there, in other movies, there are cliché, like messages about like oh friendship is key and like love everyone but this one they they were really deep and like so so many underlying ones like for example you know in their utopia they're always working hard and they're always stuck 
to believing in the stones and they don't think about it. They're just like, okay, we'll just follow the stones. But they don't ever think, they don't ever think, like they don't ever think about exploring, about learning new things. They just want to keep doing the same thing every single day. And Michi is the one who teaches them, like, look outside, look, look somewhere else, um, explore around yourself because there's even more beautiful things. And that's just only one of the messages. There are so many different underlying ones, and they're really good messages. And I think that's one of the main things that makes this film unique. It's a really important one to definitely teach to people about going on an adventure sometime. Just get out of your shell. Okay, so what is your age recommendation and star rating for this film? I give it five out of five stars. For age recommendation, honestly, like from three if you can understand English to all the way to 18 and even adults because my mom came with me and a lot of people think that oh it's just an animated movie it's just for kids but my mom really enjoyed it and she didn't sleep through this movie (laughs) (laughs) that's always good we don't really like those parents falling asleep (laughs) yeah (laughs) so thank you so much for letting me talk to you I've had such a great conversation with you Jolene thank you so much for interviewing me Of course. Okay, thanks so much for joining us. You've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our blog in the teen section of the Huffington Post and check out our YouTube channel. You can get there easily from our homepage at kidsfirst.org. This show is produced by Correlation for Quality Children's Media for the Voice America Kids Network. Today's show is sponsored by Aquanaut Season 2. I'm Talia Jacknook, and thank you so much for listening. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week.